The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hello, everyone. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Barb Knows Best, the podcast. It's a beautiful day, and I'm so happy to be sitting across from my mother, who is now Dr. Barb. Hello, Dr. (laughs) Barb. You're so sweet. You're so cute. It was truly an honor to receive an honorary doctorate today from Florida Atlantic University, the College of Arts and Letters. It was really a lot of fun, and I am very humbled and truly basking in the joy of this day. And what better way to celebrate a a massive life achievement than coming straight to the studio and recording a podcast for our favorite people on the internet. Absolutely. You know, I, we have a lot to talk about in this episode, so we won't linger too long, but I have to say, watching you get your doctorate today, you know, during a regular graduation for the rest of the students, it was a very cool reminder to remember that like your timeline is your timeline, like we talk about and to trust your timing and to just never give up on, on any of your goals or your dreams or things that might be important to you. Because as someone who didn't graduate from college in the traditional sense to now be an honorary doctorate recipient and to be a Dr. Barb, it's just a very cool, um, journey to witness. And I'm so happy for you. Thank you, honey. It it really was. um, I I actually think we could do an episode on this because there are a lot of things in this that I think could be discussed about timelines and expectations and thoughts that you have to have a certain thing or be a certain way in order to measure up or to feel like you're enough. I think this could be a really cool episode that we could talk about with, with regards to this doctorate, but the deeper meanings of it, because you're right. It's it's a very special day today. And it's not something that I would have ever imagined as a little girl, as a young adult, that, that this would be something that would come my way. And I think it would be kind of cool to do an episode on it and let people know why did I receive this honorary doctorate? And I think it would be really nice because of the work that you and I do and the work that I've been doing for the past almost 40 years Yep. It, it would be kind of cool to talk about that. So Absolutely. anyway, thank you, you. You write down some notes and you will run that show. And you were really, I mean, you always are so supportive and so loving and so caring. <laughs> but today was really even more. It was really special if I needed something or if I was, you kind of anticipated some things that I might need to say, what can I do for you? Or yeah, I've got this. Don't worry about this. So it was just, it was just a very special day. So 
Yes, and we have congratulations. A- I know it's graduation season, so if you yes. have a loved one, or if you have friends, or family, or kids that are graduating, it's a big a big time for so many. So congratulations, and make sure you celebrate all of the accomplishments in your life, big and small. Yeah, because we've got some extra special energy today because of that, and I think not just because I was given an honorary doctorate, but I think just being around students that are celebrating their education and celebrating graduation and being with the parents and just in the whole energy of all of that was, is just so refreshing and empowering and fun. We love fun. So yeah, so exciting. And I can't wait to hear more that you'll have to say in a future episode. So now that you've said it to everyone, you'll have to do it. So hold her accountable because I want to hear it too. Absolutely. I can't wait to do it. Alrighty. So I'll be looking forward to it. Um, this week we wanted to chat about something really interesting. And um I think you all will find it hopefully helpful because as you all know, if you've been listening to this episode, we like this podcast, we like to share things that we've learned and lessons that we've picked up along the way that have helped us. And today we want to talk about seven hard truths that we've learned. Um, some that have caused us lots of pain, but learning it has opened life life up in a really meaningful way. And we hope to share that with you. And when we talk about hard truths for me in this particular episode, what really got my attention when I started looking at some of the things that, you know, have really, I think caused a lot of the suffering in some, in some way, shape or form in relationships there it's really kind of rooted in unrealistic expectations or unrealistic thoughts about what society says is the way that things have to be. And then, then we as humans try to fit ourselves into whatever that box is that society has formed for us. So I'm excited about this episode as well, Michelle, because I think it's going to be not only enlightening, but hopefully it'll, it'll free you all up a little bit. I know it's freed me. Yeah. So let's get to it. Let's get to it. It's a list. We love a list. And um, we hope that you find value in these. So number one, you know, these are all really, they're like straight to the heart. They like, are. Usually I like to start start soft and easy and hit, get into the jugular, you know, later. But like the first one is, is pretty, pretty tough. One hard truth is that all you need is love to make a relationship work. You know, the Beatles really kind of screwed us over with that song. Well, I think there's a lot of those. If you look through the course of time, you know, we talked about that line in Jerry Maguire. You complete me. You complete me. Or we talk about the line in my day of love story. Love means never having to say you're sorry. What oh, the wow. heck is that? So yeah, there are these that's one. toxic. Yeah. There are these one liners, I think, that we, that, that sound really good in a song or a poem or whatever it is, but they're not, they're, they're unrealistic expectations and they're not true. Like they don't, they don't, they don't pan out to being undeniably true. Cause if you're, if we're talking about all you need is love to make it work, I think in the, in the whole esoteric sense, like we are love at the, at, at the, I believe that at the core of all of us is love and goodness, but then we pile on all the stuff that we've done throughout our lives and we've kind of hidden that up. So yes, we are love. And our nature is hopefully to come back to that pure love that's within. But sometimes love, just loving somebody, because I think we define love in so many different ways. And that's 
probably part of the issue when we talk about all you need is love. What you define as love, Michelle, or what I define as love, and what other people define as love, I don't think we have a real, true, universal idea of what love is. And if we do have a definition of what love is, it doesn't translate that way somehow when we're in the middle of a relationship. So I think we can love someone dearly, but it doesn't mean that our paths are going to be aligning or that we're meant to be you know, in a, in a romantic or in a relationship or in a friendship that, you know, lasts the test of time or whatever it is. You can yeah. love someone, but not necessarily be in a relationship with them. And you can love someone, but know that your relationship isn't in the best interest of either of you and, you know, kind of have to love them from afar. Like we've talked about quite often lately. Um, but it doesn't mean that because, you love someone, you have to force yourself to stay in something that's unhealthy. And I think that's kind of where some of those catchy lines and song lyrics make us think that we have to, well, I love you. So I have to somehow make it work. And I just, obviously, yeah, try to fix what can be fixed, but there's so much more that goes into any sort of relationship outside of just love. I love a lot of people, but that doesn't mean I need to be you know, intimately connected with them every single day in a way that maybe people might think this, this quote might mean. I agree. I think it's very important to understand that, that you can love someone. I think I might've said this on one of our prior episodes, maybe one of our early episodes, but if I didn't, I'll say it again here, or I'll say it here, or again, if you've heard it from (laughs) me before, because I truly believe this. And it's really interesting. I learned this a long time ago. I learned this teaching a long time ago when I was going through some very serious relationship issues with family members, probably way back, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago or so, this idea that you can love someone, that here's what I believe. I believe that once you do love someone, the true love, like I truly love someone, I think it's hard to not love them again. I, I think I still may love them. Like there's people that I still love that I don't have a relationship with. So I wish them well from afar. I think it's, I can't think of any relationships of people that I love, that I have loved and that I do love today, even the ones that I'm not even seeing anymore and that aren't even part of my life anymore. That if it, that if I can think back on it and I, I love them once, I still have a certain kind of love for them but it's different. It's a different kind of love and it's a wishing them well from afar. So, because I do think the timing, you know, timing is everything I think in life as well. You know, sometimes we're just not meant to be together with certain people, even though we love them. And I do think that that whole idea that you can truly love someone and still break up. could be family member, it could be friends, it could be whatever. So yeah, I think love is not the love is not the only answer in making relationships work, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I agree, Dr. Barb. I agree. Number two, this is a big one for me and probably a lot of my peers and my generation, a kind of lie that we'd been told. Uh, the Oh, wait. Yeah. The right person will come along when you're ready. And I think we've been told that like the more you work on yourself the more you'll attract the right people. And I do believe that to be true, but I don't think that we, we, I think sometimes as perfectionists or as people who really are working on yourself, we feel 
like, um, we have to be fully healed in order to have good relationships. And that's just, that's not true. I couldn't agree with you more. I, Cause so I, maybe this isn't a hard truth. I'm sorry. I might've labeled it wrong. Yeah. I don't think, I didn't think that hard truths. These are just like unrealistic expectations. They're things that, that we've heard or we've seen the opposite in a movie. of a hard truth. Like we thought it was true, but it's not true. Exactly. So a myth. <laughs> yeah. It's a myth. It's just, <laughs> sorry. Not, it's something that sounds good. Like we said early on that it's in a song or it's in a poem or something, but in reality, it doesn't measure the test of time. It doesn't, it doesn't quite work the way that the song or whatever it is has been written because yeah, you, I think we're always healing. I, I mean, we have things happening to us often in life. And so maybe we start the healing process of some of the major traumas in childhood, if I'm speaking for myself in particular, but sometimes I'll get a hit where, oh, wow, I, I thought I healed that little particular part of my childhood. It's coming up again. What do I need to take a look at? You know, it's like another layer of something. So it's, we're always healing. So if we think we're going to be perfect, as you said, or if we think we're going to be just ready, like being ready means means do, continuing to do the work on yourself, I think, and continuing to grow and learn and everything. And sometimes you can be ready means just stepping in and taking the chance, stepping in and taking the- Well, what does ready even mean? I don't even know. You're right. That's why I was fumbling in this whole sentence because I don't even know. I mean, what does ready mean? I think I, it's different when you're thinking about, let's say when you're thinking about having a family, if you want to have a baby or something, if you're if you're a woman and you're thinking of having a baby, sometimes, oh, well, I'd like to wait until I have a house or I'd like to wait until I have a job where I have a little bit more financial security. That's different. Sometimes there are goalposts in our, in our deepest desires for life and those highest ideals. I want to eventually have this. I want this. Or what do I really want from my life? Sometimes we don't just jump in and just have it all right now. I think so. Sometimes we do. There are certain little aspects of life that we want to be ready for, but I don't think we have to be that all-encompassing, healed, knowing person that could be in a relationship. And I just think that, again, going back to the timeline thing, your timeline is your timeline. And when we kind of try to force things to happen in a way that might not be in our natural flow of life, we start to feel frustrated and angry and and confused and all of those things. And I know this, that's why I said hard truths is because I used to believe it as truth. And I realized the hard way that it's not true. <laughs> so that makes sense. my brain was just confused, but I used to think that I used to think the more I work on myself and I become the best version of myself, then I'll be like, you know, able to attract the best person for me or the best friendships for me. And while, yeah, when I become the best version of myself, I've made a lot of great relationships and a lot of great people have come into your, my life. But I still think that, you know, the timeline of life is very fluid and you just can't, you can't force things to happen really. And it just, you have to be open to trusting life's journey. And being open, curious and receptive to the present moment yep. and, and trusting yourself and trusting the journey, knowing that you're not going to be perfect, but if you have this, I have this deep desire to always be learning and always be growing. So I'm always looking at situations in my life or looking at choices that I've made saying, okay, what do I, what did I learn from this? Especially the ones that don't go so well, or especially the ones when I get off the phone and say, whoa, I wish I hadn't said this, this, and this. 
So I think, I mean, and that's life. And I think that's how we come to the point of knowing when we're quote ready, feeling comfortable in our own skin and trusting that if it doesn't go well, that we've got the tools in our toolkit to be able to, of course, correct or do what it is we need to do. I don't want to sit on the sideline and just wait for things to happen. We've got to be active participants and showing up for our lives. And I think that that goes into so nicely, like we've talked a lot about how life is not black and white. It's not ready and not ready, healed and unhealed. Life is gray. It's in that middle area of working through things and taking actions and being proactive, but also self-care and and all of the things. It's, It's all of it, which makes it gray. And someone like me, who tends to kind of try and follow some sort of formula to create the life that I want, I've sometimes been disappointed and uh, frustrated when the formula that I think should work for me doesn't equal what I want it to equal. So. Beautifully said. Something to think about. Yes. Number three, kind of piggybacking off of that is if I communicate clearly, people will always understand me. (laughs) This also has been big for me lately. I feel like I really believed this to be true because I do believe clear communication is a a bedrock of of relationships, 100%. I think you cannot have solid relationships without clear, thoughtful communication. But I have now recently learned the hard way that even if I communicate clearly and from a feeling based place, that doesn't always mean that I'll be understood. And I have to accept that. I'm so happy you said that because I know what you're referring to and I know that it has been up for you a lot. And this has been the perfect example. And it's really wonderful that we're talking about it right now because I, I used to have this old adage in my mind that I can understand anything that you're able to help communicate to me or that you're able to communicate clearly to me. That is not necessarily true. I I really see that as well. And I know you're going through a situation with this as well. So yeah, we're responsible for what we say. We're responsible for how we say it. We're responsible to do all the things that we need to do to be clear and communicate in the best way possible without being antagonistic or passive aggressive or all those things. But we can't force people to understand what we're talking about. And maybe they don't want to understand. A hundred percent. Which also comes into play. A hundred percent. So I've kind of taken that out of my out of my toolbox because I used to think if I just understand it, then it'll all be okay. And you know, you're right. Some people may not want to understand because they're they're rock solid in their opinions or their belief that they're right. And so I've kind of taken that out. Now I just really concentrate on not necessarily understanding because you know, we can't, we struggle to understand sometimes with people, especially if we've never experienced what they're going through. It's hard to use that word understand. We can empathize or we can sympathize or whatever the word is of showing any kind of love and generosity of spirit with them. But sometimes we just really don't understand it because we've never been there. So I, no, I just think that that's so important. And I I know it's really great that you're going through something like this right now because I understand it. I understand it better. (laughs) Well, and I think I do, and I think you do, given what you just said, and I've known you my whole life. um, I think we've always tried to seek understanding, to be understood and to understand situations. Like if I can, like you said, if I can just understand that, that I'm okay. And 
I think rather than seeking understanding or to be understood, maybe the more time consuming and less disappointing route is to just seek to communicate clearly and accept because the, the communication piece is still so big for me. Like I feel better in situations, even when I'm not understood, if I know that I at least said my piece or spoke my truth in a way that was like aligned and kind and considerate and, you know, carefully crafted, even if I'm not understood, at least I know that I said it and it's out there. Um, and I can't, I can't control whether or not the person or the people take it in, in a way that I want them to. And so rather than be so stuck on that understanding, I now have kind of shifted into an acceptance of like, I said it, do what you want with it because it, the ball's out of my court, so to speak. I really like that, Michelle, because I think it also leads into, you're just saying your feelings. This is how I feel. And no feelings are ever final, but it is how I feel in this moment. So I'm going to share with you and communicate as clearly as possible how I feel, but then we have to give up trying to fix it, trying to, trying to hold on to that understanding. This person has to understand me because this is how I feel because we are, we don't have responsibility for that. And really what we're saying is I'm right, you're wrong. So you need to understand this. I think for most people, if you really keep pressing that you need to understand me, you need to understand me. No, I think you just need to, you just need to know how I feel. Maybe those are the words that I'm going to start using. And I have been a little bit lately. This is how I feel. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's right or wrong because feelings aren't right or wrong, but this is how I feel. Right. And and so we can have a conversation about that, but you don't necessarily have to understand because you may have may or may not have ever experienced what I'm going through. Right. And I think an alternative way to, you know, have that conversation would be, you know, I have empathy for what you're feeling, like you were saying, or I'll take that into consideration. I want to understand, but I, I need to think about, you know, something like that to where, like you said, you can't force someone to see life through your lens, but you can um, communicate things in a way that maybe people can, the right people, the ones who want to understand you or want to make things right we'll take it in and say like, I'll consider that. Let me get back to you because I had no idea that that could even be in the realm of possibility. Or I I had no idea that that could be an outcome to something that was going on. Let me think about that because you've just opened my eyes to something that was never in my vision. And I love it. And I think one, one last thing that I want to say about it many, 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 many years ago, like maybe even 30 years ago, I had a friend who lost a child and while I was devastated and she was, as you can imagine, I remember going home thinking, what am I, I, I want to be here for her. I want to do whatever I can. But then I remember saying to myself, but I really have, I don't even, I don't even know if I could even comprehend what it would be like to experience that. I couldn't even wrap my head around it. It was so devastatingly painful. And so I remember thinking, Barb, the only thing you can do is just say, I'll be be here. I'll be here for you. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. So I think that those kinds of situations, and then I had another friend a few years later whose mother passed away and that had never happened to me yet either. And then when my mom, when my mom did pass away, like 15 years later, I thought of that friend because I thought, oh, now I know what this feels like. Now I kind of have a glimpse of what she was going through. So I think it's really helpful to, to not feel like 
we have to understand other people's feelings if we've never experienced them, especially when it's a deep, devastating loss of death or anything like that, or even losing a job, any, any kind of devastating loss. I think life is just constantly finding ways to pick up ways to understand and other just, people's experience. Yes. So good. Alrighty, let's take a break. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And we're back with number four. Also a good one. I feel like the first half, oh no, all of them are, are really, They're all po- really pointed good. at me. <laughs> <laughs> but this is another big one that I think uh, societally speaking, we struggle with. Um, more self-care will fix your problems. And I can say for certain that I lived a lot of my 20s and probably early 30s thinking that I could make my life perfect if I, you know, cared for myself and, you know, going back to the other, other point that we made earlier, healed myself and worked through all my stuff and became this like, quote unquote, perfect version of myself. Like I really was under the belief that my life was just going to become like this effortless flow of magic. And I still believe that self-care and healing and therapy And, um, all of those things create a life that is more aligned. I'm not naive to think that I'm not going to ever have problems and problems will always come our way because life is imperfect and we're human beings having a human experience every single day. But I also think that sometimes we get, we put ourselves into this kind of cave of self-care when sometimes we need to open up into our community too. You know, and I'm very, sorry, (laughs) introverted. And I think a little bit too independent sometimes where I'm like, I can fix everything myself. I can just be by myself. I can do everything. And it's very easy for me to cut off community and just be very insular. And I've also learned that you do need those solid people around you to kind of fortify you from the outside in while you work on yourself from the inside out. I love it. And I, I think another way that I look at this as well, I think I think self-care has become, become just a universal buzzword now. I think people totally. th- throw that out all the time. Are you taking care of yourself? Are you taking care of yourself? And so that it means so many different things to so many different people. There's not one way, first of all, that we take care of ourselves. And I just think it's become a buzzword where I'd like to think lately what I've been thinking about is not so much as if someone comes to me with 
with a suffering or with an issue or with a, a problem that they'd like to discuss with me, I think the last thing I'm going to say is, are you taking care of yourself? And I think I used to say that. Well, what can we do to, what can you do to start taking a little bit better care of yourself or putting yourself first? And those are two different things, taking care of yourself and putting yourself first. It's like, it's, it's very nuanced, but I think it's really important. So when actually what I think some people are looking for is more empathy and an ear and someone to just listen and be able to just be there for them. So I think that's also community care. How can we, instead of at telling someone, are you taking good care of yourself when they share one of their issues with us or one of the places where they're feeling really down or lonely or whatever it is, how about if we just say, I'm here for you? What do you need? What can I, what can I do for you? Instead of, are you taking good care of yourself? Or maybe you should start taking good care of yourself or something like that. I, I just... I had someone say that to me decades ago. She said, I, I was really feeling ragged. I was working like crazy and I was running around like crazy and you were a baby. So I was like burning, the, felt like I was burning the candle at both ends and it was just really rough. And I remember I pulled into the driveway and and this person was was there and I just she said, oh my gosh, you look really, you look like you've been running around like crazy. I said, oh my gosh, I have. And I was trying to get you out of the car seat. And she looked at me and she said, I think it would be really a good idea if you took better care of yourself and your daughter. Oh, please. And so it's, but I think people say stuff like that. I I think people say stuff like that and they think they're being helpful. I don't, she was a very nice, kind person. I know. I don't think she meant it, but it's not the thing to say. It's not the thing to say. So I I just want to add to this one that sometimes more self-care doesn't fix the problem. It's what you were saying, Michelle, sometimes community care is what's needed for to help people heal in that moment or to help people get over the hump of the loneliness or the sadness or whatever it is they're feeling. Hey, let me sit with you for an hour. Let's talk. Or, you know, you talk and I'll just sit here and listen. So, And I would venture to say too that the memification of self-care, like the, oh, I'm going to go you know, get a pedicure with a a glass of wine is my self-care, which, you know, if you enjoy that, of course, but I think we think that getting a massage is going to fix your problems as self-care. And while those things are, are great for your relaxation, um, well, maybe not the drinking part, because I think that sometimes people also equate, or I used to equate, you know, I'm just going to go out with my friends and have fun, you know, and that made things worse for me. So I, my point being is that Self-care sometimes is making the hard choice to to do the thing that you know is good for you that you don't want to do. Where for me, it was like stopping drinking. I think that's been like my ultimate act of self-care, which I don't know if necessarily you would put that in that column, but that's a choice that I make every single day because I know I care about myself so much to, to know that that's not good for me. That's why going full circle back to what I said, I don't think we can just say to someone, start practicing more self-care, start taking care of more. Yeah. It's like, maybe it's, maybe I need to go take, stay in tonight and rest because I'm burning the candle at both ends. It's because it's different for everyone. It's different for everyone. And I think there can't be a one size fits all for self-care and the idea of what the, uh, the definition of self-care is. So I think if we're going to say something like that, we need to be more specific Hey, would it, would it help you if I took care of your dog tonight so that you could actually 
go get a massage and relax and, and kind of get some of the stress or the tension out of your back. Cause I know you've been telling me your back hurts a little bit. Things like too, that. Too familiar. <laughs> well, no, it's things like that. Like really being, literally being open to whatever it is the other person needs instead yeah. of just saying, go get more self-care, start taking better care of yourself. And I think that was a very pointed example because when you were taking care of your dog, I'm like, you need to take care of yourself. And you're like, I am, but in truth, you needed someone to help you so that you could go do the things that were going to fortify you. Beautifully said, Michelle. Wow, you got it. <laughs> you Give me that it. look like I was- No, 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 no. I gave you a look that I like, you're right on. No, you read that look wrong. Mm-hmm. You gave me, a, I gave you a look she like right on. She gets a doctorate and now she's, yeah. she's too good for us No, now. it was amazing. Sorry, I'm not a you were right, PhD. You did, you did used to say that to me a lot and I would be very frustrated because I'd be like, I'd like to Actually, be able to do it's a perfect example. It's a perfect example. Wow. Yeah. All right. Good to know. Number five, this one. Yeah, this has been up for you for a lot. I want to like scream this from the rooftops for the rest of my life. I know. And like, I will battle anybody that wants to battle me on it. (laughs) Blood is thicker than water, family is everything. I think that that is one of the most toxic myths that we've instilled in our society that has caused so much dysfunction and devastation and disappointment. And I really think also like robbing us of the ability to live our own lives because we feel like we have to fall into line with the traditional family of like our blood relatives. And I think it's really sad. We could do a whole podcast about it actually. We could. And I think it's, it's fine if you, like if you've got a if you've got a family situation where this fits, see, I think- And I know people who do. Of course, and it's good. And I think it's really good. That's what I'm trying to say. And I think that's why I love all these unrealistic expect expectation is the key word in this whole episode. Expectation. So if society's telling me that I have to have this expectation that my blood family is what we're talking about, is everything, then that means that I have to make it work no matter what. I could be in a toxic relationship. It could be killing me. It could be really causing me the most heart-wrenching trauma or chaos of my life, but I have to make it work because society or whatever the the edict was that family is everything. Blood is thicker than water, so you have to make this work. But there's nothing wrong with feeling that way if that's what's happening for you. See, I think it's this whole double thing that we can't have this expectation that it's a blanket thing that everyone has to follow and get in line with because we can't choose our family. And many of us- well, We can't choose our blood family. Our blood family. That's, yes. Thank you for clarifying that. And many of us are in situations with family members that just aren't good for our mental health that, that could actually kill us. And so to try to force a person to feel that blood is thicker than water and that I have to accept this family member is torture. It truly is mental torture. So I think- when we can't make, when we've done everything that we can to try to make a relationship work with a family member, there's nothing wrong with you if it doesn't work. I think that's the thing that I can't, I can't, no, I can no longer handle. I am so happy for people that have the most tremendous, it brings me a lot of joy. It's kind of like that vicarious joy. Yeah. I really love it when I have, and I have friends who have the most beautiful family relationships with their blood family. I don't have that. And I'm not jealous of them that I don't have it, but I don't want to, I have other friends that will say to me every once in a while, can't you make that work with your family member? So it's, it's really, it's a very fine line with not imposing your 
edicts on other people and allowing yourself to enjoy what you have, but also allowing the other person to, to be able to own what they have. And we don't have to maintain a relationship with an abusive family member just because they are my family. We just, I just can't say that enough. Or, you know, going back to one from before, someone who refuses to want to understand you. Exactly. They don't have to, I mean, that could be emotionally abusive, but they don't have to be abusive in the ways that we immediately think of to not be good for your mental health. They can refuse to want to understand you or listen to you or have empathy for you in your situation. And that's almost even more insidious because it's not so blatant. It's so kind of just beneath the surface where you're like, okay, well, you're not being horrible to me, but I feel so bad when I'm in your presence. And it's that kind of thing that you do not have to force yourself to suffer for someone who shares like DNA with you. Right. It's mental abuse. It's really mental abuse. Um, And I think going off of that too, family, we love to redefine words here. Like let's redefine what family is for people. You can pick your family. You know, we've cultivated a really nice community of people that we consider family that are not blood related. And that's so lovely Um, but obviously I think we're kind of dancing around the fact that you and I are blood related. So hello, (laughs) like, geez, we don't have a toxic relationship. I know, but like, so we've figured it out. You can make things work in a way that's just different. That's my point. That's what I was trying to say is that it's beautiful if it works this way. Blood is thicker than water. Of course. I mean, look at the, look at the physicality of it and that family can be everything. Family can be the most important thing but it's and how you define it. It's how you define it. And it's not, it does not have to be, be blood. Re- I had my family with me taking photos for my honorary doctorate. I said, come on yep. family. Family come on. photos. Yeah. They said, I and said the, come only on. one person there shared DNA with you. Yeah. And it was you. And oh, so thank you. I'm glad that you confirmed <laughs> that for me. So I think we're saying the same thing that I hope people aren't offended. Of course, family is everything, but how are you defining the word family? And you cannot define the word family as a blanket. It's this or nothing else to the world. Well, and I think also not to drag this one out a bit, but the blood is thicker than water. Family is everything when it goes to keeping family secrets, which I know you, Mm. you suffered from in your family of like, you know, don't tell the truth about things that happen in your family because family is everything that'll hurt them. Yeah. That's toxic. Yeah. Anyways. I think just remembering that if your blood family, if your DNA family. How many times can we say blood? Is toxic or is abusive mentally or physically and is just, and is making your life a living hell. You do not have to maintain a relationship with a family member and there is nothing wrong with you. Because in this instance, it is family is not everything at to the extent where you have to sacrifice your life, your mental or your mental or physical well being. And there will be people out there in your life that can love you like the blood family can, that will understand you or accept you or want to welcome you into their lives like you would have expected maybe your blood family will. So just be open to that. Moving right along, no more blood in this episode. <laughs> Um, number six, if someone isn't into you the way that you are into them, they will change if you work hard enough. Ugh. Cringe city. Yeah. This is a hard one too, because I think we think that, I mean, how it's falling often for potential. Yeah. It's falling for potential. It's, it's that Maya Angelou quote that I love so much. When people show you who they are, believe them. 
So it's so important that when you get the hit, that's why I've really, I've spent a lot of time this past year getting connected more and more with my body, the feelings in the body. Where am I feeling feelings when something happens? Like really trying to get in touch with and really let this be a guide for me of my intuitive hits that are in the body, like the pit of the stomach or the, the neck pain or whatever it is. And so I've really been paying close attention and awareness of that in my body. We get the hit. If, if, if we meet someone for the first time or if we've, we're starting to get some, quote, bad vibes or whatever it is we're feeling, we get the hit, but we, we override it. And what does the mind do by overriding the feeling that we're having in our body? The mind says, oh, if I just do this a little bit more, if I'm a little bit more available, if I am a little bit nicer, if I do more things for the person, then it'll all be okay. So, so really what we're saying to ourselves is we're the problem. And I think that that's a problem. <laughs> that never works. So it really is important to understand when people are who they are, they are not going to change unless they want to change, period. Yeah. People do not change with, look at your own self. Here, this is what I love about this. I could go on for hours about this one because I've really learned this. People, look how hard it is. All of you just kind of think about this for a minute. Where in your life would you like to make a change? And how hard is it for you to do it? We have difficulty making changes for ourselves even when we want to change. It is not that easy to change. So how in the world do we think that another person that we're in a relationship with or that we want to be in a relationship with or we think that we want to pursue this other person, but but you're getting the hit that they're not quite into you, but you, you're thinking it'll change, it'll get better. How in the world do we think that that's possible? I just don't, I've really been thinking about this because I've been here. I'm not judging, I'm not comparing, I'm not doing anything. I've been here. I've thought if I'm just better at this, if I just put a little bit more effort here, if I'm just a little bit nicer... If I go out of my way to do this, the person will appreciate me more. The person will come back to loving me the way that I want to be loved, or the person will meet more of my needs. It's my fault. I'm the problem. But that's such a sad, like worthiness issue. It is. It's also worthiness. And it's also, we can be in love with someone, but they don't love us back the way we want. Of course. So I think it's, it's worthiness, but it's also being real and it's, and it, and it, and it doesn't, it's, it's being real and that. The fact that they don't love you as much as you might love them is not a sign of your self-worth or is not a sign. No, but I mean- So I'm just saying that's the point. you thinking that if you keep doing something, they'll finally get it. You know, you deserve better than that. And I think that going back to that issue of falling for potential, like seeing someone and seeing what they quote could be, you know, over time, or they could be end up being the best parent or the best partner or have a great job that's going to make lots of money down the road- it's not the way to, to live your life when you're looking for a relationship because those are all external things that will change and be fluid and obviously you can't control. And like you said, you can't even force someone to grow in the way that you want them to. So it really is important to cultivate relationships that are on an equal equal page from the get-go. And I, you're going to be so annoyed with me. Um, but the perfect example of this that I've been really fascinated by lately is I've mentioned this, but I've been in like a very deep Vanderpump rules hole. I know. And I don't even know what that is, but I know. (laughs) Oh no, go ahead. Yes. And there's a main relationship there that was for 10 years. And the one 
Katie was trying to get Tom to marry her and commit to her and defend her. And it was it, for me watching it. Cause I've binged it watching her try to force him to be the partner she wanted him mm-hmm. to be. They got married. Oh. Like, why are you getting married? This is toxic. And now they're divorced, but it's, if you ever want an example of how you can't get someone to change, go down the Vanderpump rules, okay. rabbit hole. Be, no, it's just, it's yeah. fascinating to see because they, you think you can change someone. Yeah. And if you fall for potential, you're going to get hurt and disappointed and waste your time. I love that. And, and I love your example because <laughs> I haven't seen this show, but whenever you can see like full on examples like that playing out in, in, well, this is a show, so it's not actually real life, but it can it be is real life, but it it really happened in real life? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. And now oh, okay. there's so much anger and resentment oh, okay. that they've both built up to each oh, other. Okay. It's a reality show. Oh, it's a reality Oh, I didn't realize that. Sorry, okay. they've built up this okay. anger and resentment to each other. Okay. And it's just like, it's so sad because I oh. feel like as an outsider looking in, I'm like, this could have been avoided if yeah. you didn't force yourselves to, yeah. to do this. It's, it is true. You can't, you so can't. Thank you for indulging me in that. Yeah, no, it's a good example. I, I mean, isn't that what we're here to learn and grow? So when we can see examples that kind of, can spark something inside of us. Like, Hey, where, where have I tried to do this? And it's not going so well for me. Where can I, how can I change this? Because I can't change another person, but I can only change my actions and reactions to other people. So it's very interesting when we really get this, but I think we have to be really deeply connected to the body. I really do. Cause for me, when I get the pit in the stomach or I remember last year, you know, talked about this a lot that last year was a really, really has been a really, really tough year I would start feeling sick and I would say to you, you would look at me and you'd say, mom, you don't look so great. And I'd say, yeah, I don't feel well. My, I'm, I'm feeling sick. Well, what do you mean sick? I said, my stomach is really bothering me. Yeah. And you'd say, oh, what, what do you need? What do you, I said, I'm just going to go home and relax for a little bit. And I'd go home and try to sort out what's going on. And what was going on was I was navigating this, this tremendous divorce that I, that I was in the middle of. I was trying to navigate this and it was really making me sick because part of me was not accepting the fact of what was true and what was real. I wanted it to change. I, I didn't, I, I kept thinking that I was the problem and I wanted it to change. So it's very interesting. So I'm glad you shared that story because it's so true. So when people show you who they are, believe them. And, And we're not talking about people where you're in a relationship and it's a brand new relationship and the person that you're in the relationship let's say you're married or you have a committed romantic relationship with the person, you know, has a new job and they're not making a ton of money right away, but they said they're going to, or you feel like that that's where you want to, you want to really be settled and satisfied financially. It doesn't mean that you don't take the steps to get there. And so if they're not there right away, it doesn't mean that you just ditch the whole thing. It just means if, if you're, if you're on the same page, wanting a nice, stable financial commitment in your relationship then it'll be pretty easy to see the person, you know, taking one little baby step at a time to get there. You can tell when somebody's actually working towards that same goal that you might have with them and when people are not. Well, and that's where the communication piece does come into play. You're constantly checking in with each other and talking about your goals and dreams and what you visualize for the future. And if those things don't align in some way, shape or form, then that's where you're like, okay, I love you, but maybe this isn't compatible. Yeah. And trust how you feel. I I talk to myself a lot. And so if you're feeling a certain way, just sit down with yourself and just say, I say this all the time to myself. I'll sit down and I'll say, Barb, what are you feeling right now? And if it's fear or anger or regret or resentment or whatever, whatever the gamut of all those kinds of feelings that can have, that we can have that, that cause the turmoil inside my stomach for sure. 
okay, you're feeling resentful. What, what is it you're feeling resentful? Because the feelings don't lie, but the storytelling in the mind about the feelings lies. 100%. So it's really important to get to the feeling. So when you can name the feeling, and I know we've talked about this in other episodes, 80% of you are down the road to, to healing in that moment, to healing whatever's going on in that moment. Because just naming it, oh, I'm feeling resentful right now, is everything. Because the mind doesn't have the opportunity then to write a whole story about why you're feeling resentful and all the things that are not true, maybe about why you're feeling resentful. So, and then ultimately you end up with a situation that is only maybe a third truth or whatever it is. And then how do you deal with that? Then you, then you get into the problem of trying to fix and change. And if I just do this, this will happen. Or if that person just does that. So, well, well, Funny that you say that because that takes us oh so nicely into number seven, the last one where if we change a job, move to a different place, have a baby, buy a house, you know, go back to school, whatever that thing is, the relationship will get better and be fixed. Yeah, I think- The baby thing is big. Obviously, I've never experienced that, but I've known so many people are like, once we have a kid, things will get better. And it's like, oh- that doesn't sound good. No judgment. No, no judgment. Especially when, when, when you're, when you know the person and you, you know, all the, the things that they've talked about, because sometimes we think that external thing can fix a relationship or can help. If the foundation of the relationship is solid. And I think it goes back to what you were saying, Michelle, if you've got some good communication going on, of course, if you're on the same page and you've got good communication going on and the particular school that your kid is in or the particular house that you're living in or the neighborhood or sure, some of those external things, if you just changed it, the scenery of it can absolutely make a difference in whether a relationship can feel better and can start to thrive more. We're not saying that that doesn't happen and that 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 isn't real. What I think Michelle and I are trying to say or what I know Michelle and I are trying to say is that if things are not going well, and you're, and you're on rocky foundation and you're not in agreement and you're not in alignment and you're trying to figure things out and the communication is really poor and you don't know what to do. Oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. This is terrible. This is terrible. Maybe if we just, maybe if we just moved, everything would be better. You know, or I, I, I had someone say that to me recently that they just, everything was going wrong. The job was good. The kids in school were fine, but everything was just wrong. She wasn't, the relationship wasn't going well. And I remember she said to me, I think if we just moved and I said, okay, you know, nothing wrong with moving, but what, what is it about things that are going wrong that that would solve the problem? And by the time we were done talking, she goes, you know what? Moving isn't going to solve anything. I need to get to the root of what's going on. And so that's, what's so beautiful, beautiful about having people that you can trust who have earned your trust to be able to share intimate things with. It was really a wonderful discussion. And I said, you know, it sounds that way to me, but, but, you know, maybe take a look at it some more when you're in the quiet of your own space at home. So thinking that the external world can fix the internal world never works. Well, yeah. And what this means for me is just that, like you said, it's almost like kind of putting a bandaid on a open wound of, yeah, maybe moving would bring in new energy or a different job might make you feel a, a different way or having a baby might spread out responsibilities or any of the things. But I think unless you really drill down into the root issue, it's still going to be there wherever you go, whatever job you have, whatever, you know, 
place you move to or, you know, when you bring kids into the equation, I, I think that makes everything harder. So I don't even know how you keep drilling into your own issues when you have tiny humans to take care of. Um, but it's like trying to put a Band-Aid on a, you know what? I said I wasn't going to say blood again, but a gushing blood wound. Um, like, yeah, it might stop some of the bleeding, but it's not going to mend it. It's not going to heal. It's going to get like scar funny. And then you're upset about the scar. <laughs> so I just think that like, if the desire to to change in your life maybe comes from a place of like, oh, you know, I'm living in a place where I don't really feel supported by my community. And I know that I need a community to live my life. And I have have friends that live here. And I know that if I moved here, I would really start to develop a community. And that would really help me to thrive in this new chapter. Then it's that. But it's not, you know, oh, I'm just going to go move buy a new house because that's going to give me fix all of my issues, you know? Well, yeah, because I think- Or if you have a toxic job, you know, obviously getting a new job would- would help you feel better. But it's like, it's got to come from the inside. Yeah. And we're not saying that any of these things by themselves is not great. Change jobs, move to a better place, have a baby, buy a house, whatever, whatever it is we said, they're all fabulous in their own right. But it depends on what it's, what is the motive behind why you're doing it? What, what is happening in your relationship that you feel like you need to do this? And are you able to speak to the person that you're in the relationship with? Can you have that honest, brave conversation and say, look, I, I, this is how I'm feeling. This is what's happening for me. Can we have a talk about how are you feeling? Can we, can we, can we talk about this together and come up with a solution? And so together you come up with a solution of changing jobs or together you come up with a solution of, Hey, you know what? Yeah. I think I want to move to a different community or a different state or whatever it is. Or it's so important to have in a relationship, you've got to be able to have the courage to have the conversation and so trying to fix something that you don't even know what's broken is always a recipe for disaster. I think for me anyway, it's always been, it's always been impossible for one. It's just prolonged the agony and the suffering and all the other things that were happening in my life. And so it's so much better to really get to the, get to the core. And what's even better when you get to the core is if you can get to the core with the person that you're in the relationship with, if you could actually have that honest, brave conversation and then you decide to change things, but it, you can't fix something until you know that it's, you can't fix something with an external thing without knowing, I think I just said this, you can't fix something with an external thing without knowing what needs to be fixed, without knowing what's broken or what, no, maybe it's not even broken. You know, that's, that's kind of a toxic word well, too, like I think. what the real solution is. Yeah, not broken, but just not working in the way that's serving all the people in the relationship. You know, having this conversation and so many of these that we've listed today fall into this for me, but I think about a relationship that I was in for most of my twenties. And this was, this last one was the thing I thought, Oh, once we, you know, go live in a same city and we have our own apartments and we're, you know, living life as adults, because this was like just post-college and, you know, living in a long distance situation, then things will be better. And, you know, we're going to have this perfect relationship because everything's good. But everything wasn't good because it was falling for a potential situation and, you know, being completely out of alignment and personalities and values and, 
you know, goals and dreams and wishes. And so me thinking that, you know, finally moving to the city together so that we can have this great life was this like pie in the sky dream of a bandaid of a bad situation in general. And I was, I can take myself there right now in such a like physical way of, in my mind of thinking about how disappointed I felt when I finally put these physical things into place of, you know, a job, a city, an apartment, and it's still not working and feeling so like, this isn't what I imagined. This isn't how I thought this was going to go. What did I do wrong? Because like all of these things were falling into place, but this relationship is still so toxic and it wasn't the external things that could fix it. It was, you know, the other stuff that we've talked about and the, the solution was ending the relationship, you know, and sometimes that's, that's the solution too. Because I just, that was like, that's a perfect I'm example. I'm like, wow, we're really walking down the whole path of my life in these seven, <laughs> we seven are. things, aren't we? Well, I think that's a perfect example because I also, if you, if you add something to that, that yeah, it was, it was the relationship that, that was not working because you wanted different things. Like not, you weren't on the same page. You weren't really in the alignment with your values, as you said, or some of the things that you were thinking or some of the things that you believed. And so not to have deep conversations and be okay with the difference. And I think a lot of times this is so hard. I mean, it's, this is not easy. And please, as you're listening to this, this, this is like, for me, I always like to say things like this, that, you know, this is like being in graduate school or PhD school. This is by school. getting an honorary doctorate getting, with Dr. Barb. This is really, well, I mean, because for myself, I'm thinking, you know, this is hard because it really kind of lets me off the hook to think that this is hard work. So it's not going to be fixed. It's not going to be resolved in a day. And I think sometimes we have a hard time admitting the truth that really the relationship has to end or we have to part ways. So we're trying to hang on to that tethered frayed rope, you know, that's at the dock and we can barely, we can barely keep the boat at the dock because the rope is so frayed, but we can't pull, you know, we know we can't, we can't really think about doing that one thing that we need to do that might be to end the relationship and wish each other well from afar. So it's very interesting. It's not easy, but I think when we can actually get to the, to the, bottom of it to like, what is the truth here? And then we can take our time to have the courage to be able to speak it. And then once we speak it, we can't, we can't not, we can't unspeak it. We can't not learn it. We can't not hear it. So once we speak it, then we can start putting the baby steps in place to making the change. And I got to say too, to close up that, all this whole episode, I guess, but I know that making the hard decision to make the change to end the thing or to, to, to make the hard choice of the choice that you know is the right thing to do is really hard and really scary. And we put it off a lot because we fall for potential or we think that something external will fix it or that if we just heal ourselves a little bit more, they'll understand us better or that, you know, whatever those things that we've talked about this entire episode might be. But the braver that we can be to make that hard choice and do take the action that's in the most alignment with ourselves of who we are and what we want like sooner rather than later, it just, the less heartache that you'll have for yourself. Because I, one of the things that I beat myself up about, and obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, is how much time I wasted 
in some of these situations where I thought I could, you know, do all of these things that we talked about trying to make things work. And when I knew that that wasn't in my best interest. And so we don't have to suffer for such a long period of time to learn the lesson. And what did I always say to you? And I believe this strongly, not that I always practice it because I'm not perfect. None of us are. No. But what did I always say to you is no time is ever wasted because if you go, if you, if you're being really in the moment, truthful, when you look back, the lessons and the teachings that you learned from that relationship have brought you where you are today and it has brought you to a place of extraordinary wisdom. Like, you know, you know yourself so much better and not that you know yourself in the mind, you know yourself in the heart, like, you know, you know yourself. It's that deep knowing, I know that I know. And you, and you, and you've learned, you're, you're not going to put up with it again and you're not going to settle again and you're not going to do that again. And when that, if that should rise in another relationship, you're going to say, oh, wait a minute, this, this, this doesn't, this doesn't feel right for me. I'm going to have to take a pass. So I think for all of, all of you listening again, like you have to really be gentle and caring of yourself and not beat yourself up. I know it's easy to do and we do it, but right. get over it, like recover right. from it quickly, recover. have the recovery time really quickly because it's all good. It's all good teachings. It's all good learnings. And the wisdom that you have about relationships now at such a young age, Michelle, just makes me smile. Young. Yeah. Just Thank makes you. me smile. It's pretty incredible. It's really, really, really incredible. Thank so I think it's, and I think the only other thing that I was going to say here is that it's really, really important when we're looking at trying to um, fix a relationship or trying to thinking that the external world will do all of these things. We have to be really gentle with ourselves and understand that sometimes the truth we're not ready for anyway. So I think it's That's really true. important to just, to just... Sometimes you just know it, but then you need to, need to take other steps to get to the final outcome. So knowing that most of the steps that you're going to take are going to get you there, because once you know it, it's kind of like it all is inside of you and it's all going to lead you into that direction. So I, I feel like this was a really heavy episode of un, un, unrealistic expectations because many of us have a lot of these or versions of a lot Things of these. Things that we've unlearned. So it's really important. Yeah. Things that we've unlearned, whatever that is, it's really important to be gentle with yourself and know that we all go through these things. We all have our different version of unrealistic expectations that we have to unlearn so that we can get to the truth of what is. Yes. And it's so funny because we went into this episode being like, it's going to be a quick one. I didn't. I, I kept it. saying mini episode and you said, no, ma'am. I called it. And no. here we are. But lots of good stuff. So we're here for it. Well, relationships are the, we're in relationship with everything in life, with people, with things, with nature, with all the things. I mean, we, relationships are the bedrock. So the more we can get comfortable with truth and the more we can get comfortable with ourselves of what we need, the more we can know what we need and what we want, the, the more than we can take the baby steps to get to a place of happiness or of joy or contentment. Amen, Dr. Barb. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. And thank you all for listening and being a part of this community. Once again, we do love doing this with you and sharing with you. It's, it's really a highlight and we, we don't take for granted 
the gift of your time. So thank you so much for tuning in week after week. If you are loving the show, which we hope that you are, please make sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes and Spotify and leave a nice review on iTunes. If you feel so called, it does really help us. And it puts a big smile on our face. We received such a nice message recently about the podcast. Do you have it up? I think we should read it. Yeah. We'll just read it. I don't know. Well, we'll read it next time, but we do read them and yeah, we, we take them, them to heart and we try to respond as many as we can. Um, but we do really appreciate it and it means so much to us. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Uh, please make sure you're liked and subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts so you can stay up to date on all of the newest episodes and whatever other fun stuff we may drop along the way. You never know. Things are always fluid. <laughs> And lastly, if you'd like to stay in touch with us on social media, make sure you're following us at Peaceful Barb. You should make at Dr. Peaceful Barb. Just kidding. At Michelle Maros, at Barb Knows Best Pod. You know, that's the way you can send us messages or send us podcast topic requests. We love to hear from you. Thanks so much again for listening. Thank you for being you, Barbara Christine. And we will chat with you next week because as we know, Barb Knows Best. Bye. say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.